I don't really think of myself as a leader. I'm trying to lead myself. I'm trying to be truly uh, self-led with a capital S. And uh, being self-led, that's a phrase actually from the internal family systems work developed by Richard Schwartz. But in it, he talks about when you're being led by your capital S self, you're able to come from a place of calmness, confidence, creativity, centeredness, curiosity. And so I think it would be great for leaders to focus on being self-led, to being led by the truth of their soul. And when you do that, whatever impact you're having in the world will have integrity, it will be good, it will lift other people up. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging, empowering, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Today's guest means a whole lot to me. Tammy Simon is the founder of Sounds True, one of the world's leading wisdom-based multimedia companies whose mission is to wake up the world. Sounds True publishes groundbreaking authors and teachers with topics ranging from mindfulness, neuroscience, psychology, trauma therapy, and more. Tammy also founded the Inner MBA, which we get to speak about on today's episode. It's a collaborative effort between Sounds True, LinkedIn, Wisdom 2.0, and Mindful NYU to train the next generation of conscious business leaders by teaching them the inner skills required to be successful in today's environment. Having Tammy on is so important to the work that we do in the third place because we talk a lot about how do we equip ourselves internally so that we can extend curiosity generosity, and compassion to others when we have these awkward and uncomfortable conversations, because it's only from this humble place that we can actually entertain these conversations to begin with. Welcome, Tammy. So I'm not going to lie, Tammy, I'm a little beyond myself bringing you onto the Third Place Podcast, as I am a huge fan of the work you do with Sounds True and your podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. My total pleasure. Great to be with you. So one of our goals with this podcast is to really give our listeners the tools to work on their internal growth and development so that they can actually participate more compassionately and tactfully in uncomfortable and awkward conversations and situations. So when our mutual friend, Matt, told me about the Inner MBA program, I knew that you had developed something that really came from the same heartbeat. Can you start with telling our audience about Inner MBA and why you created this program? Sure. There's many different things that went into the creation of the Inner MBA. I think I saw an opening when businesses started bringing in mindfulness trainers. And I was like, oh, this is a wonderful development. People are seeing that if at work, you can get some distance from identifying fully with your thoughts and emotions 
and have some space of awareness where you can look at thoughts and emotions, you can actually be more effective. And then I also knew in my own experience that in many ways, mindfulness is step one, but there's step two, step three, steps four, step five. And I was so interested in those further steps and making sure that people had training opportunities to go deep into those further steps. Because once you've developed a practice of self-awareness, of being able to track what's happening in your own body, being able to be less reactive, to have some space, then you have the capacity to be with other people in a different way, to collaborate in a different way, to listen in a different way, to appreciate other people's perspective. And there's a whole area of teamwork and what it means to bring out the best in other people and to be the kind of person who has enough humility and self-awareness to know what you're good at and to know what you're not good at and really partner with other people. And I have a deep interest in genuine partnership and how partnership asks us to grow. So the inner MBA has three trimesters, and the first trimester is all about the self. The second trimester is about this interpersonal work and collaboration. But then the third trimester is the other thing that's so important to me, which is how do we bring, after we touch into what really matters to us through self-awareness, how do we bring that into our organizations? So our businesses stand for something far beyond, but including economic return. How do we make our businesses place places that bring more justice into the world, healing into the world, where we actually solve social problems through our work, not create more social problems for more people. So the inner MBA is an intensive nine-month immersion that goes through starting with mindfulness all the way to culture change. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you definitely are speaking the same heartbeat because my work in coffee as well as the work of the podcast is all about how do we use business to, to bring social change and not really even moving beyond a, a give back model, but really baking into the ethics of everything that we do or the approach of everything that we do and empowering everyone that we touch from like our supply chain, which is a, the root of our coffee story. But to, to kind of your point, like the team members, our customers, our, even our competitors, you know, there's, there's a way to empower everyone to, to bring out a lot of great social change. Yeah. It's, it's hard work. It's hard work. You know, I think that often people think to be successful in business, you have to make a lot of trade-offs. You got to trade this for that. And one of the things for me is, uh, I'm, I'm not willing to trade the things that matter the most to me not for anything. And I actually think it's a false paradigm and it's a false paradigm we've inherited. So we've inherited this idea, for example, that I have to put on a mask in order to connect with other people at work because they might not like who I really am. If they really saw me, let it all hang out. So now we've got this weird division where we're kind of wearing a mask with people, but we're talking about authenticity. Well, that just doesn't work. You know, we want to be agents of creating a different kind of world, but we're not really going to question the economic structures that we've inherited. Like, no, that's not going to work either. We have to have the courage, I think, to open up our minds and question everything and say, how can I actually 
embody what matters to me the most in every area of my work life with without trading any part of my soul. My soul is not available for trade. Right. Well, and I, I think, you know, I'm very curious to know, like, what businesses that maybe you saw incorporating mindfulness in really well. From my perspective, it has become a little bit of a trend and not necessarily authentic. But the organizations that I see doing it well, it to me, there's this irony, like there is like an investment for the business. But if you look at a slow and steady growth pattern, it's actually more profitable for the business long term. So I'm very curious to know what businesses maybe that you saw that really inspired kind of the spark. Well, well, first of all, I think it's really important for any of us to not uh, approach uh, the transformation of business from the perspective of it being a spectator sport. And what I mean by that is you can stand on the sidelines, look at companies and go, but what about that? And what about that? And that's just performative. They're just doing that on the surface. You can do that all day. And where does it get you? It gets you into being a critic. Okay. Instead, get in the game. And when you're in the game, what you discover, first of all, is how freaking hard it is, how hard it is to run an organization that has in it yep. people, yep. people first, people, humans, people, people, <laughs> humans are really hard. They're really hard. And so we're hard. We're hard on ourselves. We're hard on each other. We're trying to outdo each other. We're trying to be more mindful than each other. I mean, we're trying to, you know, it's just hard. So I think, first of all, when you get in the game and you start doing it, you realize that it's a working. It's a huge working. And you roll up your sleeves and you give it everything you have. And it's a little bit messy and you're going to fail. And we have to do it. And so we've invited into the inner MBA a bunch of flawed and super aspirational, talented, gifted, and incredibly accomplished CEOs. People like the former CEO of Patagonia, Rose Macario. And you could say, well, well, look, look what she's doing. For her, it wasn't so much bringing in mindfulness, although she herself is a, a deep practitioner. It was having Patagonia take a strong social stance and saying, we stand for the environment. We've set up a nonprofit to focus on funding environmental efforts, and we will stand for public lands. Uh, you know, you talked about going beyond give one, buy one, but give one, buy one is also a huge place for companies to stand, and it's a great place for them to be. So we have uh, the CEO and founder of Bombas Socks, and they've given away tens of millions of pairs of stocks to homeless people. So I could go on and on. This uh, this year coming up with our inner MBA program that begins in the middle of September, we have Stuart Butterfield, the CEO of Slack. And this is awesome. He himself is a deep practitioner. And he'll talk about how he has brought his own meditation practice into leading a super fast-growing tech company. And so I think we're all working with it if you're working with it. And what I would say to people is get in there and start working with it. So I want to backtrack really quick because you said something that I think that was really powerful that I don't want to skirt over. And you said, my soul is not available for trade. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. from your personal experience, what made you rooted in this not being willing to trade off your soul and 
really resting in what we think in the third place is this gray area where there's less of a distinction between work and personal and marrying those two together. What about you has made that non-negotiable? Yeah. I mean, to be really honest with you, Mary, I don't know. I've been like this my whole life. I've been like this my whole life, meaning when I'm off, and what I mean by that is when I'm um, kind of BSing or something like that, even just that, it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Or a different example is when I owe someone an apology, and I know I owe them an apology, but I'm not offering the apology, that doesn't feel right to me. So I have this thing where I can smell when I'm fishy, when I smell fishy to myself. I think we all have it. And I don't like the smell of being fishy to myself. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to me. And I have to come back into alignment. I mean, some of the ways I've described it, and as I say this, this may sound weird to you, but it's the honest answer. Uh, God has me on a short leash. And as I thought of that metaphor, I thought, well, am I a dog? And I have two dogs and I love them. (laughs) And I try to give them as long a leash as possible. But I do keep them on a leash when we go walking because they would chase the bunnies and the deer and they'd be off and it would be dangerous for them. But it's hard for me, but I keep them on a leash. And when I say God has me on a leash, I don't really understand it. Um, But that's what it feels like. That's my devotion. My devotion um, is to this... uh, love source that's at the center of my life. And I can't move far from it without um, moving back straight Mm -hmm. in. I think that what's interesting to me, though, too, is that maybe the leash feels tight, but there's probably been moments where you've given yourself more slack or more leash. And what does that look like for you when you can when when you can smell it when you're off path? Because I think that when you can really experience it within yourself, then you can smell it in others, right? And I just wonder what is what's the texture of that experience to you sure. when you're actually off sure. path? Well, one of the things that's really my touchstone is staying embodied. And what I mean by staying embodied is staying in touch with a silky feeling of the breath inside. And if my breath is off, if it's jagged, if it's uh, short, I have to come back into my body and reestablish a sense of smooth, beautiful breathing. So I know that if my breathing is not deep in, deep out, if that isn't something I can access, that I need to recenter myself. So that's a a huge uh, barometer for me is uh, the quality of breathing. Another barometer is simply physical pain. So I can feel physical pain. I can feel it in my lower back, up in my shoulders. I can get headaches. Those are also symptoms to me that something's off. My body's giving me a signal. Wow, Tammy, you're carrying a lot of stress. What's going on? What do you need to correct? What do you need to release? Uh, what, what's happening with you that you need time to process and digest. And so what I know is that being in a place of a real embodied presence and also having my heart available, like I can feel it like, oh, there's this appreciation happening. There's a connection happening. When those things aren't happening at that somatic level, that somatic presencing level, 
then I know uh, I need to return. And that could be through doing some lying down and breathing practices, some yoga, taking a walk in the woods, spending some time with my beautiful dogs, something like that, uh, because that's how I come back. So I think the body is a great barometer because our minds can kind of go, you know, but it's like, whoa, what's happening here? What's happening? Let's bring it yeah, back. I, I like to refer to what you just said as pinches. And I think that we ignore pinches so often until they become this ca- catastrophic nervous system failure feeling um, where suddenly the pain is so overwhelming when we've actually been receiving pinches for probably maybe even 10 times an hour. And it's about that slowing down and that mindfulness and that inner work to even have the awareness of it. Is this a similar experience that you've seen with other leaders that are saying, yes, I'm receptive to inner MBA, I'm receptive to doing this inner work. Maybe it's come from feeling like they're used to chaos, but they're they're so sick of the pinches, they're ready to tap in. You know, I think people have different ways in, you know? For some people, it's uh, dreams that they're having. And they know there's something else they're called to than what's actually happening in their life. For other people, it's a sense that they're haunted by something. You know, they can sense, oh my God, I'm haunted. Something's not quite right. I I knew my life could be more rich and more meaningful and I could enjoy it more. And that's not what's happening. What's going on? You know, for some people, it's feeling something that they would notice, they would notice as pinches. But I think when we have that sense, and, and actually it's a, it's a subtle sense, I would say, of being called. You're being called. And what are you being called by? I think this is where you're being called by your very own soul's possibility, your very own soul's potential, your soul's desire to optimize this incarnation. You're being called and you know it and you know it. And it takes courage. It takes courage to turn towards that and say, you know, what am I going to have to do? What new thing am I going to have to try? Uh, what new thing am I going to have to uh, embrace? And what do I have to let go of to get there? What am I going to have to let go of? And I, I do think, though, that's what it means to be uh, responsive to your own inner life. And I think that's what brings us into greater alignment and the ability to be a vehicle for greater service. Yeah, I love that that feeling of calling. Um, I, I've heard you mention several things that are against the grain, that you know, to tap into your body is a way to uh, you know, really understand your role as a leader to, to embody that. And even with what you said at the beginning of inner MBA, where it begins with that self-work, then the interpersonal, and then bringing all that into the organization. I'm trying to think through, like, how does a leader that's just running at this incredible pace, that's not sustainable, that doesn't have purpose other than making money, you know, how do they kind of get themselves out of this hamster wheel loop? Because I do think you're right that... Yeah realizing that there should be a call to purpose maybe is even the first thing of becoming aware. Yeah. Well, I, I notice as you're even using this word leader, uh, even though I, you know, founded Sounds True 36 years ago, I don't really think of myself. Like I, I, I don't think of myself as a leader. I'm trying to lead yeah. myself. I'm trying to be truly uh, self-led with a capital S. 
And uh, being self-led, that's a phrase actually from the internal family systems work developed by Richard Schwartz. But in it, he talks about when you're being led by your capital S self, you're able to come from a place of calmness, confidence, creativity, centeredness, curiosity. And so I think it would be great for leaders to focus on being self-led, to being led by the truth of their soul. And when you do that, whatever impact you're having in the world will have integrity. It will be good. It will lift other people up. And if you're not doing that, let's just tell the truth. You might just be making a mess in the name of your own ego needs or whatever it might be. And so I think if we could each focus on that, like really take care of uh, your own real estate, which starts with your body. Uh, that's yours. No one else is going to do it. No one else is going to make sure, you know, your armpits are clean and stuff like that. No one else is going to do it. It's up to you. And then take care of your relationships, your immediate relationships, which is big. You know, we see a lot of people who are supposedly very successful and like what's actually happening when you uh, get to know what's going on in uh, their marriage or their parenting or whatever it might be. So like, gosh, take care of that real estate too, your family, like where you, where you put your head at night. And then let it circle out, let it keep spreading and rippling out from there. But if you don't take care of the center, it will implode. I mean, people get sick. They suddenly get divorced and lose XYZ part of all the money they were working so hard to create because they didn't take care of their home life. And so this is all really kind of 101 in a way, but it's starting from the center and working out from there. And one thing that you said, I think that makes a lot of sense, too, is that self-leadership. Like when I see leaders, it's almost like um, the leadership is driven from this egocentric space where uh, leader means more important than. And I know like I'm trying to reframe that in the conversations that I'm having with leaders like, look, my value as a leader of an organization is equal to the whatever position in the organization, the janitor. Like I, I wish we could break away from this organizational leadership mindset of more important than. And and the idea of self-leadership makes me think that that's a better way to communicate that. Yeah. And I, I would say at the heart of it all, we're just human beings. So we're human beings. And as human beings, we all have equal value here. Exactly. As humans, equal dignity, equal, and a very talented creative in a business, marketing executive in a business, finance executive may bring more value to the business from a certain perspective in their role in terms of what they're paid and what they're contributing, but it doesn't have to get so out of balance. So I think there's a way to, first of all, honor every single person's humanity, dignity, deep bow, deep respect, and respect that in an organization you know, there are some people that work at Sounds True who do the work of 10 people. Holy God, I don't know how they do it, but they do the work of 10 people. That's special. And that can get recognized. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, when we're looking at leadership, what are some of the most common dysfunctions caused by those that are not operating from the capital S self-leadership? What, what do you see and... Who is your target audience as you're really trying to help move and shift people into this way of operating? Well, I think, you know, probably to be honest with you, 
there are as many dysfunctions as there are people. <laughs> like in a certain way, no, I'm serious, really. In a certain way, we all have our dysfunctions. Like that's just who we are. And often the more brilliant you are at something, the bigger your shadow will be. Oh, no doubt. The more dysfunction you'll have. I remember when I used to get reviews 360 reviews, they would say, you know, the thing that makes you so good at what you do is also the thing that's driving <laughs> us all crazy. It's the same thing that's driving us crazy. And, you know, we brought into the inner MBA, Lisa Leahy, who teaches a process called the immunity to change process. So maybe someone's had reviews from the people they work with. And for a decade, they keep getting the same kind of feedback. You know, this is the challenge you have in this way. And this immunity to change process she helps you see that you have an investment in the behavior you say you want to change that you're not changing. What's the investment? How does that behavior help you stay safe in some really fundamental way? Like without it, you would feel like you, like you were at risk in some way. So even though you say you want to change it, you're not changing it. And she helps you start testing that assumption. Maybe you would be safe if you change this behavior. Let's create a little experiment and try it. Let's create another little experiment and try it. So throughout the nine months of the inner MBA, we go through the immunity to change process as an inner MBA community and start looking at these different behaviors that no longer work for us and how to actually dismantle them at their root. Yeah. It, so I've tried to do a lot of work around like cord pulling, you know, where I feel like um, I've attracted certain environments in the work that I've chose that tend to go back to that, that story of chaos or that high tolerance for uh, abuse. Honestly, that's something that I started to recognize. And I realized my sister asked me at one point, she said, well, you wouldn't be choosing those environments if it didn't serve you in some capacity. And it served a part of me that I no longer felt attached to, or I was trying to no longer feel attached to. And it was really looking at those um, those contracts that I felt like I had made or those uh, vibrations and rhythms that I had been familiar with and used to, but were ultimately the culmination of a lot of pinches and that what's really powerful is being able to consider that worst case scenario. What's the worst case scenario in a safe place? And I feel like it always really does come back to this safety conversation. And when we can dip our toe in and it sounds like the immunity to change process is really like, okay, I'm going to hold you in this container, dip your toe in you can test the waters, you can you can start to reframe that story, and then we will start to make the ripple a little bit further and a little bit further. You know, that's my way of relating to it. And I think that that's really powerful, especially when it comes to relating to the personal and then mirroring that in the professional, because I feel like they're, they're just one and the same. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it seems like, too, like there's this barrier of fear. When I think about doing the inner work that I still recognize that I need to do, you know, it's like naming those fears, like Mary said, too. Is, is fear the number one reason why people don't go into that inner work? Is it busyness? Is it is it prioritization as a culture? How do we kind of move and take that first big and uncomfortable step? Sure. Um, well, you know, I notice I have a, a reluctance to try to answer in a global kind of way. <laughs> and I think I don't, 
I don't know if I know the answer in a in a global way to say that this is really what it is for for sure, humans. Sure. When I think of um the reasons I haven't changed certain behaviors, I think uh there's fears of rejection and humiliation and exile. That's pretty core. You know, I'm going to lose the tribe and be left out to die. Like that's pretty core. Uh and it, it you know, it does take a lot of courage to um be with really difficult feelings and discomfort and stay with it and discover that you can do it and discover that even if these people aren't with you any longer you're still okay there are new people and so it's hard for us to challenge the status quo and convention and go into that process of individuation or becoming who we really are which is i think what we're talking about here like not how other people define us not pleasing other people not winning popularity contests not pleasing our you know whether it's a teacher or a parent or a projected vision of the culture that says we need to have this kind of status or that but we actually say no i'm going to go for the inner definitions and come what may come what may i will have that inner clarity so i think that's the courage that that is required regardless of what might be holding us back. So a lot of what you say with your work in Sounds True is about waking up the world. And, you know, that work in itself, I think, is an extension of this courage conversation that we're talking about. And when I think about the idea of waking up the world and what's come into more of the popular culture is being woke, um, so what's your take on the term of being woke? And is that something that you're striving to inspire and support others in doing? Because that's such a charged word right now. Sure. Well, you know, believe it or not, originally when Sounds True started looking at what does it mean to wake up the world, our view had to do with spiritual awakening. And that there's an awakening that happens when you recognize that you're not a separate self. It's a really big discovery because we think that we're these skin encapsulated egos, to use the language of Alan Watts. That's who we think we are, a skin encapsulated ego. And when you discover actually that you're an interconnected life force, you're an expression of life and you're absolutely interdependent with everything. So to give you a metaphor, you think of a tree. What is a tree if it's not connected to the sky, to the breeze? I'm looking at the trees outside, to the soil, to the water. It's just a log. It's not a tree anymore. It's a, it's a log on the ground. It's dead. But we're living human trees. And when you get that you're a living human tree, and that you're connected with all of the other humans and the environment and everything. It's a different way of being. You can't operate just with your own self-interested concerns anymore. You're operating all the time in reciprocity with life. And that changes how you view situations. What's the right reciprocity here in this business arrangement with this person I'm working with? with these people I'm making a partnership with, 
There is no me without them. We're interdependent. So that's the kind of spiritual awakening that sounds true committed to when we created our tagline, sounds true waking up the world. And interestingly, it goes a lot with also waking up to racism and social injustice. And are we living in such a way that we are unconsciously living on the backs of other people? having structural privileges that other people don't have and don't have access to, that doesn't sound like a very intelligent appreciation of our true interdependence and collective belonging. And I think the interesting thing is that awakening doesn't end. And I think the idea that like, oh yeah, you're woke. Like what I don't like about that word actually is it's past tense. I think we're always awakening. And there's always more to awaken to. And as you meet new people and you meet new ideas and areas that you weren't conscious of before, that you're becoming conscious of, you're awakening further and awakening further. And there's no end to it. So as soon as anybody talks about uh, like awakened in the past tense, I'm nervous. Absolutely. I'm nervous. I think we're always awakening. Yeah. I mean, I think that Mary and I talk about how work is spiritual quite often and and we've got to move away from this separation right like the third place is moving away from dualism and back into interconnected i I mean it it sounds true to us i love to say it but it's it really is we talk about this a lot that everything is spiritual and there's just no separation and to me i feel like what the inner mba is doing or my grasp of it is bridging that gap between the the professional the personal and the spiritual and and really making it all come into harmony yeah well i mean the whole notion that we're one person here and another person there it's just not really true i mean we're a person and everywhere we go there's our heart there's our uh capacities uh you know there's our values uh what matters to us of course different contexts emphasize things differently. You know, if I'm at a dance party, that's a context that's different. So yes, of course it's contextual, but we don't have to have like versions of ourselves. I noticed that whole phrase always makes me nervous, like a better version of myself. Like there's no such thing as a version of me. There's just me expressing itself. Absolutely. Even though I'm also thinking of internal family systems and how we have different uh, parts of ourselves. And it's like bringing all of those parts of ourselves, right? That that accumulation of it all is what we need to try and stop really ignoring and accepting and having absolute permission to bring to the table. And so to wrap up, I'm wondering, you know, what does the inner MBA entail Because I know that a lot of our listeners would be absolutely attracted to this program. Sure. Well, the program starts in the middle of September, and you can find out more by going to innermbaprogram.com. And it's a nine-month online immersion program. Sounds True's created it in partnership with LinkedIn and also Wisdom 2.0, which is an organization in the Bay Area that brings together a dialogue around culture, technology, and also with uh, a division of NYU called Mindful NYU. So LinkedIn, Sounds True, Wisdom 2.0, and Mindful NYU are all bringing this nine-month program that features conscious business trainers, CEOs, 
wisdom teachers like Jack Hornfield and Tara Brock and Sharon Salzberg and Rhonda McGee, and participants come from all over the world, join together, we'll have upwards of a thousand people in the program to form an inner MBA community that helps each other become, to use your word, leaders, these kinds of leaders from the inside out, change agents in business. And is this something that's going to be ongoing? I mean, I imagine uh, that will be definitely the case. Yeah, this is our second year and we'll keep offering it each year starting in September. Beautiful. So to get more information, where's a good site for everyone to being? We will have in our show notes uh, a link to go directly there as this is something that we feel really aligned with. So there's that, but I also would love to hear from you too. Sure. InnerMBAProgram.com. You can learn more and we'd love to have you join us. Thank you so much, Tammy. This was absolutely amazing and we will have to have you back as we've had many of the authors that you have published on here and intend to have as many more as possible as well wonderful thank you mary thank you david thank you thank you tammy be well so you got to hear a lot about the inner mba which is a nine-month immersion program to train leaders entrepreneurs managers and employees on how to powerfully grow themselves and their companies The Inner MBA is taught by leading socially conscious CEOs, educators, neuroscientists, business trainers, and world-renowned wisdom teachers. At the conclusion of the training, participants receive a certification of completion from New York University's Mindful NYU. So if you're a leader, an entrepreneur, a manager, or just someone that wants to really powerfully grow yourself, click the link in our show bio to learn more or sign up so that you can be a part of this phenomenal movement of conscious leaders. Be well.